Welcome everybody to Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the greatest uh, bloody matches in professional wrestling history. And I am here with Chris Bryant, artist and illustrator of Way of the Blade, 100 of the greatest bloody matches in wrestling history. And we are here to talk about El Pollo versus Commando Negro, Mascara contra Mascara, from IWRG, uh, the day after Christmas, 2010. Chris, good to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, good to be here. Good to be here. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, finally getting on the the podcast, uh, and uh, yeah, after all of the illustrations and everything like that. My apologies for the the dogs upstairs. Hopefully they uh, keep it down a little bit, but now I'm pumped <laughs> to be on the show, man. Yeah, it's great to have you. Me and Chris, uh, this is our first time me and Chris have actually had a, a physical voice-to-voice conversation, although we exchanged, you know, dozens and dozens of emails over the course of putting the book together, and I think, and I've said this a bunch of times, and pretty much every time I've been asked about the book, I think hit your art is the is the draw. Like, my writing's fine. It's I make some jokes, I, you know, I talk a little about, you know, NWA Anarchy and IWRG and these little promotions and write some stuff. But I mean, I you know, it's a as it's it's almost like I, I think it's like an art book with some writing. Uh, is, oh, is my thought, so much, it. and I think I just love I just love the art. I, I, every time I every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, man, this is something cool, really cool that we put together. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of it as as well. Um, I, and but I mean, yeah, likewise, um, you know, seeing it from the other side, like me looking at it from the, the illustration perspective. Uh, I, I really dig your your writing, and I feel like that that has brought a whole heck of a lot of um, you know personality and uniqueness to it. Um, also, you know, like I, I think like I'm pretty in the bubble of like wrestling review stuff. Um, you know, obviously know about uh, your your whole thing from the Death Valley Driver reviews. I spent a lot of time in my youth. Uh, on there, reading all about and you know wrestling, nerding out about a bunch of matches, but I think you know a lot of uh, other people aren't so much into that that wrestling review kind of world. So reading through this book, um, I think it sort of like opens up a whole different kind of approach to wrestling for them, and looking at it in a different uh, sort of um, curated uh, way, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm a big, big fan of your writing through it, um, and uh, most of all, I'm just very grateful for you exposing me to a, a bunch of weird and, and wacky and amazing matches uh, that I otherwise would not have watched. I mean, obviously, yep. there's a lot on there that are some of my favorite matches of all time, like uh, you know Terry Funk Nita, um, the Combat Toyota. Um, match uh you know a bunch of the real classics that that i absolutely adore but it's stuff like the match we're talking about today el, el pollo versus commando negro that i would not have watched otherwise and i'm so darn happy that i did because yeah. this is my favorite uh happy surprise of the the whole project um and yeah this is why when you ask me what what match you want to talk about straight up i was just like have you done El Pollo yet? Right. <laughs> so I was really pumped to talk about this one because it was just such a beautiful surprise. And, I, and that's honestly what I hope a lot of other people, you know, going through this book, um, 
they're gonna gonna go through this and they're gonna watch a bunch of these matches they wouldn't have otherwise and they're gonna be like holy shit this is like discovering buried treasure you know that's always been kind of my thing that's as as somebody who writes has written an, an enormous amount of words about professional wrestling over the last good 25 years especially now as i've sort of evolved like i don't have a ton to say about raw I'm not, I'm not gonna watch it I don't like I don't really have interested in, in that or you know a lot of yeah, you, you know I, I uh, but I you know what I like doing is 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 digging around and I mean that's the cool thing about fresh wrestling is there's so much of it and the great stuff is so varied and and you know a lot of times unseen and I, I would I mean we obviously talk again you know about uh, you know Bret Hart Steve Austin I wrote about you drew about that I mean you know, uh, Terry Funk, Ric Flair, some very f- famous matches. But like part of the yeah. parts of the things I think that are the coolest about the book are the things like this match. Where it's like I don't know how many people have seen Commando Negro versus El Pollo, but I can't imagine <laughs> that you wouldn't like it. I mean, it's, it's like if you like, if you're somebody who would end up getting the book, I can't imagine you would get the book then watch this match and go, no, this wasn't for me, because it is like it's a treasure. <laughs> yeah. It's like such a bizarre, weird thing. It's so good, and it's such like I can imagine. You know, I, I you know it's interesting because you mentioned the couple matches you mentioned that some of your favorites of Funko Nita, the Combat Toyota Megumi Kudo match, and this match mm-hmm. too. I think you know you're a, obviously a visual creator, an artist who, and these I think are those three matches might be the three most viscerally visual matches in this book, right? Yeah. For just like like. If you were going to draw a painting of something, or like, you know, like it'd be like funk, you know, exploding, or this match, which is just, you know, the visuals in this are just striking, right? The yellow yeah. of of Absolutely. El Pollo's ridiculous chicken outfit and the red blood staining it. I mean, it really is like a, it is the most artistic of all of the matches in here in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, so I, and don't, I think you know, it's I... probably one of my most fun to to draw to illustrate as as well. Uh, probably, yeah, for for good reason for for what you're saying. It's so visually striking, um, and uh, yeah, the ridiculous chicken costume. Uh, <laughs> the 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 really like when the violence ramps up and the bloodstained nature and the, the amazing. Uh, Mini El Pollo, uh, yes. just there's, the, there's so the much nugget, to the love about nugget this. at ringside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, again, the other other matches as well, um, the the FMW ones, obviously very visually striking as well. Um, I think that's an interesting little thought there about like sort of thinking about these different matches um, and just from a, a, a visual nature and that was obviously something I, I put a lot of work into um you know i watched every one of the matches I, I looked for moments of significance or moments that were visually striking that i was like this this is going to be the one that i do you know um and yeah i think there were a lot of matches through it that were just very like that they, they all had something to where it was like all right this this is the the moment um obviously i think just the the, the blood side of things makes everything dramatic that's one of my most favorite parts of our big uh, heavy juice matches um just how how visually dramatic it makes everything uh these bloodbath kind of things uh but yeah i and um, this match was filmed by a black terry jr who's like the son of black terry who put you know has films (laughs) a lot of a love black terry too and and his son films a lot of these 
uh, like indie uh, match, indie lucha matches, and you know, especially during this period, the 2010s, which was I think a real, you know. I mean, it's hard to say because we don't know what indie lucha was like in the early 90s. That was, I'm sure, incredible, too. But, like, the 2010s period was a real, like, high point of, like, IWRG and these other small promotions. And he would film these things. And he's got a really, he's like Scorsese a lot of times in these filming. He does this incredible job of these close-ups. I mean, it is really some of the better filmed, it is the best filmed single camera wrestling I've ever seen. And, uh, I mean, and it's got its pluses and minuses. Like obviously, there's some some great zoom ins and and everything like that. On the other side of the spectrum, you have a lot of shaky cam going on. <laughs> sure, although that adds to it in some way, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, this yeah, is me. Yeah. This is that's this is, should be smooth. This is a an insane thing. So he's gonna run around and get a, the best visual of like you know uh, El Pollo gnawing. On uh, Commando Negro's head, like it's a piece of uh, <laughs> a piece of grain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. I mean, I, I think it adds to it too. I think it, it's almost as like uh, these these uh, that semi uh, documentary found footage kind of film with the with the shaky cam. It, it yeah. makes you feel like you are in uh, this uh, beautiful uh, arena. Not a pan, is it? Not 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 one hundred percent sure to pronounce it. Yeah, the um, which is the arena that I IWRG is in, and so you would not, such you would an not, iconic arena. Like, oh, it's it the just, best. Uh, it's, it's it's got its complete own feel. I, I love all of the big time uh, IWRG matches that I've seen from there, just because of the personality of that building, and yeah. also it was used for um for Nacho Libre, wasn't it? It was. I didn't know that. I I I guess that makes sense. That's cool. If that's if that's I'm true, I'm pretty sure I have like a mental, uh, like a memory of uh, the the big uh, Silver King or Ramsey's uh, match with uh, with uh, Jack Black or whatever was was in was in, was in this, arena. I mean, it's a perfect yeah. place to do it. I, I love. I mean, that's one of the coolest things about Lucha is just sort of the iconic arenas. Arena Mexico's like that. Uh, yeah. Coliseo Colacaco is like that. Which is the match? Which is where like that Black Terry Wotan match was in the Zona Twenty Three Junkyard, or just like these the places that they have these bad shows in are just so great. Um, yeah. But yeah, like this match has got the. There's a point where they do the where they brawl the like the beer um, the beer like uh, um, bins and smash each other with, like, uh, rusty buckets. That's sort of a classic in all your IWRG brawls. Eventually, they wander over to the to the beer uh, coolers and and smash each other into the beer coolers. And, the you know, the topes into those blue, uh, hard blue chairs. Um, but it is very... <laughs> those iconic blue chairs. The iconic IWRG blue chairs. The Corona blue chairs. Um, and I, IWRG, you know, around this period was... Some of my favorite wrestling ever, like your two, yeah. like early 2010s IWRGs. You had Black Terry and the and Nero Navarro and and the tra- traumas and and, and uh, Gringos Locos. There's a match with those guys in the book as well. And then oh, Commando Negro is one of these guys who you know, great like journeyman luchador who's had yeah. you know some real Canis Lupus, right? Yeah, Canis Lupus. So he's in this match. He's in this book twice. Uh, yeah. It's got to be one of the more obscure guys in this book multiple times, for sure. But a guy who's and you know, now the the father of Ijo del Canis Lupus. I'm assuming is that the way that works? Yeah, maybe. 
<laughs> Who knows works, like, works like that sometimes in lucha. I don't know if it, if that's specific. This is that's how it specifically it goes here, or whether there was even another Cadiz Lupus before he was Cadiz Lupus. I mean, IWRG is a, a promotion where guys switch gimmicks. Uh, yeah. El Pollo is a guy who did not have a long illustrious career as El Pollo. Um, right. I'm very a, sad about that. I feel yeah. like I've wanted many more years of El Pollo after right. uh, seeing this one. I think it was kind of a thing where he was the guy who put on this outfit to run a program where he would lose the outfit. It was kind of how it worked. I, 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 think, yeah. I think he was one of the Barrio boys. I think it was Jimmy. He was best known as Jimmy. From the Barrio Boys was his gimmick. I think that was it. I gotta, I gotta go look at my. I definitely, I definitely did the research for who he was when I wrote this up. So I think I'm gonna have to like double check that. But I'm pretty sure he was, was Jimmy. It? Oh, maybe he was Kevin. <laughs> hold on, let me hold on a second. Let me, let me. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll cut some of this. The, the, the hold on a second it's out. That's the beauty of having an edited podcast. But, um. But why, why can they do this here? Hold on, I gotta find out who he was. You don't have the book, Andy, do you? I do. I do have the book, oh, Andy. Oh, look up who he let was. Let me let me clear up this uh, this conundrum here. Um, I just, may just leave this part in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be- probably best known as Kevin of the <laughs> Los Barrios Boys. That's <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Sorry, my bad, Jimmy. I don't want to look. <laughs> But yes, he was best known as Kevin, so he's a guy who had a... Both these guys are kind of guys who had, uh, you know, journeyman lucha careers, but... Yeah, with some and totally real blew me away as well that you said he's the uh, the uncle of La Sombra. Yes! <laughs> right. Wild. You know, La Sombra's, you know, can he, can, he get a, can he get Kevin in AEW slot, you know? Right? <laughs> we can bring back El Pollo in AEW. Yeah, exactly. All right, I'll t- <laughs> Hit up Big TK on that one. <laughs> I'll have to talk to my man, Tony, and say, look, I got a guy. Um, but, uh, so, you know, Commander Negro, he's a guy with, like, four really great Apuestas matches on tape in his career, which is, you know, there are a lot of really, really amazing luchadors. You don't have four great Apuestas matches, because he's got one against... Freelance that is really good. He's got one against Chico Che that's really good all around the same period. And then the one, this one, and then the trauma one, uh, one where he loses his mask, which is also in the book. It is tremendous. Yeah, and so he's love a guy that match as well. Big fan he, of the, the traumas. Yeah, it's Commander Negro. It's a guy you don't, I mean, you don't really think about when you're thinking about the great luchadors of all time. He's a guy who slot into a six man, he's going to look great, and you put him in a big match. And he kind of he's he's a tremendous opponent because I think in all four of those matches the most memorable part of all four of those matches was his opponent, right? Chico Che, he's a yeah. freelance. Those guys are really dynamic offensive wrestlers. El Pollo is the guy in the bloody chicken suit, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, and <laughs> Trauma One is you know also you know sort of a flashier guy, but there's something he said for a guy who's going to be the be the B side of so many great matches. Um, oh, for sure, about sort of like enhancing the other guy and, and maximizing them and getting the most out of them. I always have a lot of respect for, for those kind of uh, wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. I mean, the big thing I, I adored about this match was the escalation uh, through it. So the idea that you start out and it's, you know, 
just the, the self-encapsulated nature of this match is, is fantastic as well. Like the idea that you're watching this and you're like, okay, so we've got a guy in a chicken mascot outfit and we've got a, a dude in, in camo pants and an indie mask, all right, a lucha mask, and then you, you go along and then it just goes from there and it tells its own beautiful story. You really don't need any backstory for this match, you know. It's just you you, you go with it and it, it is its own beautiful self-encapsulated thing uh, and then the, the violence sort of ramps up through it. Um, obviously we, we have um, Commando Negro who, who for a good part of this match feels like he is very annoyed that he has to be there in this mask versus mask match. With <laughs> He's disgusted by this whole thing. It, it's, it's the kind of vibe I get from him. Like, this is humility. It's my humility that I have to be part, a participate in this. And like, and, you know, he yeah. loses the first fall. He kind of yeah, kicks the yeah, shit out of Pollo like, for the entire up, first right? fall and gets rolled up. And then you can just tell us, like, this motherfucker. I, I am not losing my mask to this clown. This guy, you know, I, I said in the book, which I, you know, that it's not even that he's wearing like, like a mascot for like a chicken restaurant, but it's like you would imagine somebody would be wearing a, a, a mascot for a chicken restaurant in a movie to show where they've hit rock bottom. Like it doesn't yeah. really look like something you'd really see in chicken, but like this is the point where in a movie where they show, man, this is how low this person has fallen. They're wearing this outfit in front of a, a fake chicken restaurant. Yeah, like you're standing out front of the chicken restaurant with the with the sign, doing the the flipping and the moving of the sign to try to get the customers in. He's just really regretting his all of his life decisions up to this point. Right. This is this is the rock bottom of whatever, and maybe of the redemption. Well, hopefully we'll get a redemption of this guy and, you know, but wearing this outfit. I mean, it's really... It is really... I mean, if people don't want to watch, they should watch the whole match, but you know, we've got the link on the on uh, Hypershoot's blog to this match. Just look at the outfit. Mm. Look at the outfit. Look at the outfit at minute one and look at it Look at it in minute nineteen. By the end of it, right where it's like you know, it's just, just the whole thing is like splattered. Uh, you know, the 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 bright clownish yellow splattered with blood. It's like a like a B grade movie bloody massacre. Like <laughs> yes, all of my love of that world. And I think as Commander well. Negro bleeds a little bit too, but he's got a red mask. It's harder to see. Yeah, uh, there's definitely some points where he's chewing on his forehead like he's bleeding, but. Poyo, Poyo brings the juice. Yeah, I, I really love when um, when El Pollo uh, ramps up the violence himself. So after he gets gets his uh, little pin, you just see this rage come out of him, and then he starts being the the, the really over the top violent one and tearing open. Uh, the mask of uh, Commando Negro, and then, like you said, chewing on his head and just brawling. And like when you see the chicken get get angry and and get to that next level of violence, that's where this match really, really gets going for me. <laughs> yes. Get, he gets the spike. Uh, he gets the he gets the uh, uh, gaff. <laughs> He's been on pushed his, over his the edge. It was just a fun-loving chicken in this guy. <laughs> chicken fight style. Yeah, look. He just, want, he just wants to sell you, sell you a, a five-piece with a biscuit. This guy's just, you know, going nuts, ripping his mask open. Completely uncalled for. So, you know, what is he going to do? Got to go yeah. out there and, and fight, uh, fight fire with fire. Uh, 
chicken living his best life and then he just falls into this world of violence and what are you going to do? You just have to embrace it. Yeah. I mean, the finish of this match, I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, that He does a... Um, God, it's like uh, El Pollo goes up for a like a victory roll and then like Commander Nair just drops him yeah, right like on the top the of his old, head. Yeah, uh, Rubik's Cube uh, kind of move, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the Jigsaw yep. finisher. Yeah, I think it was the Rubik's Cube. I think it probably has a different name um, too. I'm not not the best. Like I'm not the best at remembering the uh, all Japan women name for for every finisher. <laughs> that was, but yeah, it's like the old Rubik's Cube. He just drops him square on his head in another way that felt like, man, is this this is what we're doing these days in our in our uh, in our mass matches. We're we're breaking this guy's neck in addition to splitting him <laughs> open like this. And those those lucha rings look far more painful uh, than than you know the oh, any of our, our mid two thousands the Shikara rings or anything like that. So. No, yeah, there is not. There is not padding, and there is not a ton of padding and um, and springs underneath lucha rings. I, I have a, I. Uh, it's wood, and maybe the tiniest bit of foam, and then mats. Yeah. Basically, this is what what you have underneath there. And so, when you land on those things, you land pretty hard, which is I think one of the reasons that so many luchadors don't take flat yeah. back. Yeah, a lot more rolls, a lot more uh, drags, which is that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which is another reason that guys can wrestle into their 60s because their back isn't fucked up from taking a lot of flat back bumps. Right? That's what gets you. It's, you know, that's what shortens your career, really. It's not necessarily, you know, thumbtacks or glass or any of that shit. It's like, or even like suplexes. It's just like backdrops. And every time you get punched, dropping flat back you just do that enough times you're just gonna oh absolutely and i can i can definitely Um, relate to that i'm not sure if you're aware but i had uh, my own uh, heyday of shitty indie australian wrestling back in the day had a prolific five-year wrestling career i i I was not i was not aware we're gonna have to get into the (laughs) deep uh the deep recesses of australian indie wrestling on this podcast for sure all right so what were the five years uh, I, I probably finished like uh, seven years ago, six years ago, something like this. But yeah, it, it we is exactly that. Like it's not the the crazy stuff, the chair shots, the you know thumbtacks, anything like that. It's the flat back bumps that really uh, really get you. Um, and, and specifically, like I, I had to stop because I got too many concussions. Um, so it's just the there's flat back bumps and you always try to tuck your chin um, on those bumps, but sometimes you don't back of your head just snaps back and hits that mat. And uh, yeah, they're the, the real, real ones that suck. Um, but yeah, I feel like bump heavy wrestling is probably not to get on too much of a downer. Uh, one of the most destructive uh, things uh, that, that cuts a lot of careers short. Yeah, it really is like, I mean, I think that's a a WWE style thing, too, is you'll watch a match where it's like, you know, he bumps on every, people bump on every punch, right? Jerry Lawler didn't bump on every punch. Yeah, you meant to take, like, punches and then take the big bump. Come on, it's a... Right, but but WWE style is really punch, bump, punch, bump, punch, bump, punch, bump. Every time you do that, it's like, uh... It's a little bit of a thing. So, okay, what was your Australian indie gimmick? Uh, name? So, I started out as a plucky young baby face as part of the the Hayes brothers. I was uh, Joe with my brother Josh, and then uh, eventually I had a, a heel turn, 
Um, shoot, shoot brother or work uh, brother? Work brother, but he's he's still one of my best friends to this day. I still say the the only thing that I uh, don't regret about doing wrestling is the the beautiful friendships that I made out of it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I ended up having a, a heel turn and becoming a, a devilish uh, cult leader known as Wild Joe Hayes. Had my own uh, crew of uh, rejects known as the Rejected, funnily enough. And uh, yeah, that was probably the times when I had the most fun, just uh, being a crazy over-the-top heel and uh, doing some deathmatch stuff. And yeah, it was a, it was a fun time there for, for a while. I don't know. See, I think there is some Australian indie wrestling currently that has gotten some pub. I know some guys have gone over to PWG. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now um, it's I, uh, blown up and been a heck of a lot more high profile than it's ever been. We've got some uh, great stuff going on. It's uh, awesome. Much of a spotlight we're seeing on companies like PWA. Um, a lot of people would have heard of uh, Melbourne City Wrestling as well, uh, Wrestle Rampage. So there's some some good stuff going on, and yeah, some of the guys that I um, you know wrestled uh, quite a bit over the years and, and became great friends with are now experiencing all sort of awesome success. Um, you know, friends like uh, Jonah Rock, or now known as uh, Bronson Reed, um, is is obviously in NXT. Uh, one of my my dearest friends in the world uh mark davis is uh probably in one of the the most talked about tag teams in the world right now in aussie open with kyle fletcher um we've seen adam brooks doing crazy stuff robbie eagles doing crazy stuff in new japan uh yeah it's really really cool to see honestly from the depths of shittiness of australian wrestling But but unfortunately not in time for uh, the rejected to make a big uh, big US in your run right a little too late. Well, you know, a, a friend of the pod, uh, Reverend Dan Velson. Maybe we need to run our Devils Rejects versus Rejected oh. uh, War Games match somewhere shitty in Tennessee once once travel opens up again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> organizing organizing organize that you know some some place in Georgia. We just go, we slide it up, <laughs> do a bunch of devil promos, yes. sponsored sponsored by the book. I mean, we've got lots of plans. Yeah, yeah. Lots of plans. It's just the start. Of, shitty indie wrestling. I would love that. Yes. <laughs> um, so, how, so you said this was a match that you said you hadn't seen before we did the book. How familiar were you with that sort of era? Um, I, like I, like I knew a bit about IWIG. Um, I'd been mostly exposed to it from dudes like um, Negra Navarro and uh, Solar and, and uh, Los Traumas and uh, the the Turtles. Fucking I love those Turtles. Um, <laughs> the, what's what's their official name? You know the ones I'm talking about. The, the Los Tortugas Ninja. Yes. I think. Yeah, we got. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, big big fan of those guys. Um, Black Terry as well, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, it's not like I was watching IWIG on a weekly basis or anything like that. So I'd just sort of be like cherry picking the big matches of the, the dudes that I know um, that I've heard heard was good. So this was one that was yeah, obviously uh, went a bit below my radar, um, and I wasn't too too familiar. And then just watching it, 
like I said, immediately I just fell in love with this match for, for all of the right reasons. Um, and, and yeah, obviously so fun to, to illustrate as well. And I'm actually like quite proud of that illustration. Um, like when I look back at the book now, um, there's uh, different ones that stand out to me for different reasons. Um, but as a, as a finished illustration and sort of like capturing the kind of energy and, and feel of the match, which is realistically what I, I, my biggest goal was, just to try to capture a sense of the energy of, of the match visually for people. Um, I think that that sort of I'm, I'm quite proud of the finished pro- product on that one. Yeah, we'll uh, maybe put a, a, a link when we release this on Twitter of the illustration, put it on Twitter or something like that, so folks can see it who haven't bought the book. Hopefully, most people who are listening to this can just flip to their own copy of this and uh, and um, look at it themselves. But yeah, no, it's great. I love it. I love it so much. And I, I, it's so cool though to you know watch these like. You know, see the art you did for, especially these weirdo ones. You know, these under the under the radar matches, right? There's people who've, you, there's plenty of art of a bloody Steve Austin, yeah. right? But maybe not as much of uh, of you know, Asriel with a hatchet in his face, or, or you know, like or, or Gringo Loco, or all of these guys who are you know from this from these really uh, you know sub sub uh genres of wrestling which is which is the stuff i love man you know i love you know french catch and futon and uh, you know the the weird the weird uh sub quarters of this whole thing is where you can really find a lot of great she had a lot of bad stuff too it's not like iwrg was hitting 100 <laughs> was hitting a thousand percent on their matches even back in 2010 you know where was at their the height of it there was definitely some stuff where it's just like yeah okay this is this is this is skippable or this is passable, but back in this period, this was a period where I was trying to watch all all of it. Yeah, nice. Um, just I mean, there's something quite so... rewarding about that too when you have um, companies to where you know you have to go through a lot of questionable stuff to get to the gems. It makes you appreciate those gems that much more. Yeah, that was really something when when I was putting together the Death Valley Driver eighty sets. Um, when I was in charge, one of the you know a lot of those, I would be like, okay, I guess I'm watching, you know, I guess I'm watching all of the UWF uh, and uh, and um, UWF one and two from Japan. I'm gonna watch all of it, and some of it's gonna be great, and some of it is going to be uh, Shieto Miyato thirty minute draws. But you gotta watch all those thirty minute draws because <laughs> there might be one that's good. <laughs> It's funny you say that, I'm, like, I'm a big big fan of uh, UWF and the whole uh, history of, of shoot style in Japan. It's probably one of my most uh, impassioned sub-genres of, uh, of wrestling. Um, I was obviously very stoked to have certain matches on this list uh, come in, in that style of wrestling, especially that Futen one with uh, Ikeda and Yuki Ishikawa. It's one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, but yeah, I did the uh, same. I did the, the, the sort of compendium watch of all of the UWF I could find uh, at this point I'm only up to like 80, 86 I think so the original UWF but watching it from its its actual start and uh, the, those <laughs> matches before it sort of like found its feet in, it, in its style um, were, were super interesting yeah I, I'm hoping that at some point 
more of that period comes out. I mean, Finley worked UWF mm-hmm. one started coming out on tape uh, would be obviously my number one uh, number one all time uh, um, dream to get out all of the uh, rest of that Houston footage that yeah, uh, like somewhere there was exists. interrupted while that was getting transferred. You know, you assume there's. Uh, I assume there's tons of Georgia just sitting in a box somewhere in Stanford, some Connecticut, with the thing where they, you know, there was a period where they were just putting out whole Omni shows on the network, and you know that they did. It's not like they did all of the Omni shows they had and then stopped doing them, right? You would assume that if they had this this Omni show in full on tape, they probably had the week before and they probably had the week after, and you know, just sitting there somewhere. But eventually, you know, the stuff's I. I think that's the thing. It's like it's all it'll all come out eventually. I think we'll, if it's out there, it'll someday some of this stuff's going to shake out. I mean that all that French stuff that we got, you know, and we've been doing on Segunda Caída. That's like the perfect example, right? Is that you know over since since the first mm-hmm. French stuff came out uh, ever, uh, I, I found a match on Daily Motion, Gilbert Seska uh, uh, versus Billy Contenzaro. I found that on daily on a daily motion page when I was just searching for random shit bored at home. And at, since that came out, it would like dribble out every little bit. And then eventually we got all of it and it's all out now. Uh, you know, and, and we're releasing all of it, you know, once a week on Scooter Kaida. So I get the sense that hopefully this stuff will eventually well, come so. out. I imagine, you know, even coming back to this, there is, yeah. I mean, there's been wrestling in arena knockupon since like the s- early seventies, I think. So you imagine there are a lot of arena knockupon matches which are not on tape or are taped somewhere sitting in someone's you know garage or something that will you know there's got to be some true classics out there mm-hmm. which hopefully someday will you know will will uh, will jump up. I mean we got a God it was the ultimate tease a couple uh, about a month ago. So great. Somebody announced that they were releasing the whole show of the Piroth L. L.A. Park mass match, uh, and so this came out on a, one of these, you know, innumerable Lucha YouTube channels, and they had a bunch yeah. of the undercard matches, and then they had the first two falls of L.A. Park versus Peroth, mass versus mask, and then the third fall was so brutally clipped that you could barely understand what's going on. Yeah. Like, I was so excited. I was like, "This is great. This is like a this match is like a legendary match, and there's only been highlights out there, and now we're gonna get the whole thing." And, uh, but uh, assuming that the whole thing is out there somewhere, yeah. somebody has it, and someday it'll come out. Like why of all falls is the third fall the one that is? Oh clipped. my god! Uh, maybe the guy, maybe the guy ran. I was worried he's gonna run out of tape or something. <laughs> but the third fall, it was like it was. Like like it was clipped so badly that it was almost oh, sometimes you wouldn't even get the move that would set up the pinfall you just get the pinfall Man. like it was like it was really bad it was really it wasn't professionally clipped it wasn't like you see like the highlights of a all Japan match where they cut out big chunks of it but you get the whole gist of it it was like so bad it was bad but you know that's the sort of the I mean the beauty of professional wrestling as a hobby right is there isn't you know it's not like um, there's a there's a a Martin Scorsese movie he made which just doesn't nobody seen until now, from like seventy four. <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? It's not like that exists, right? And then someday it'll show up. Um, you know, there's a uh, you know a James Joyce novel that just never got published and stuff. You know, but wrestling, it's like yeah, there's all kinds of classics that happened and might show up someday if you're you know searching around on YouTube or you know because you talk to the right person or or break into the right 
uh, film archive or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I which is one of the coolest things. Hope that we get more, uh, so, or at least a little bit more Ray Stevens matches come out. Um, you know, I, I often scour the internet for any any uh, Ray Stevens, especially like his tag with with Bockwinkle. Uh, there's there's not many of those available, so I would love to find more of those. Um, any, oh, yeah. anything really from like the heyday of like the Cow Palace as well. You sometimes see those like film uh, cut up excerpts or, or the little bits and pieces, but not much at all. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to to find me some uh, some heyday uh, at his best, Ray Stevens. But I'm not quite. Yeah, sure I grew it up exists. in the Bay Area. I grew up in the Bay Area, but a little too late. Right. Like I I, I, I right for that. Like I I started wrestling. Watching wrestling in like '86, around right around WrestleMania, right after WrestleMania, right before WrestleMania two. Um, so, you know, it was like nine or ten. So, it was, you know, at that point there wasn't really local wrestling. The WWF came to the Cow Palace and the local Coliseum every month, um, and there were some AWA shows which I didn't go to, which I probably, you know, in hindsight probably should. Oh man, I, I love all have, like, the old AWA that I've been able to find. Um, you know, I'm a big, big fan of uh, of Bockwinkle and um, and uh, like just even even old Vern matches, like anything like yeah. Vern and and like Billy Robinson. Like I'm I'm in love with that kind of style of wrestling. So yeah, and you would assume that I, that that was the thing where you know I assume that there's going to be more of that Chicago stuff out. Yeah, and that would be where you'd see like some Vern, a you know, younger Vern, and maybe you know even young young Bockwinkle. Um, the, the old lady's favorite—I think that was the name of his his gimmick. Dick <laughs> uh, <laughs> young Dick Bachwinkle. The Bachwinkle uh, heading match is something I, that we have oh. in the book. That's something I hadn't seen seen in a long time since I watched it before that thing. And man, that is good. Yeah. And I, that comes from somebody who does not have a tremendous amount of interest in watching sixty-minute matches anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I a am, big fan of the sixty-minute matches. It's, um... Oh man, I. But yeah, that one. I get so fourteen good. minutes. That's about my. It's like anything, any longer than fourteen minutes at this point. I'm like, all right, guys, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> you know, like that's one of the reasons I can't watch like current NXT. It's just like, oh, is this match is gonna go? This match is forty seven minutes long. No, thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> it's just like I can't. And I'm like, my, my, you know, it's uh, yeah, once you have kids and everything, it's like you're tight. You don't have the like. You're just used to watching two-minute uh, uh, YouTube videos, uh, Paw Patrol YouTube videos. So you're like, uh, your um, attention span is cooked. Yeah. Right. You know, a bluey is six minutes long. You know, I can't watch it. <laughs> I can't watch a two like a sixty-minute wrestling. Match. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big completist when it comes to that stuff. Like, oh, I would love to see things in full, and and especially things that are of an epic nature like that. So. I uh, I really enjoy those those longer matches that, that tell a, a great story over a long amount of time. So I've always been a, a big fan of, of the the long ones like that. I mean, like the the Brody um, one with the uh, Flair from from St. Louis, or even you know those those great sixty minute draws that we got like in the the Indies over the years. I have a tremendous love for those. So. I don't know. I also love like weird, what was really your longest long movies match? as well. So it kind of maybe is that the same thing. What was your longest match uh, that, that I participated in? 
Yeah. I think one time I was angry at a wrestling promoter and uh, we were meant to be in the main event. We got cut out of the main event and I think they slotted our top match for 12 minutes and I said to my buddies that I was wrestling, I was like, let's do like 45 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what we this did. This is like a fuck you to the promoter? Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> but it, it, was a fu- it was a really great match. Uh, it was one of the ones I was the most proud of. It was just like a really old school tag match. So just using a lot of that real old school sort of um, rocker, midnight rockers uh, versus like um, – Playboy, uh, Buddy, Buddy Rose, uh, and um, what was his name? Doug Summers. Yeah, Doug Summers. Like I, I love those pretty matches. boy Doug Summers. One of the so sort of more ironic pretty boys in wrestling. Yeah, Doug Summers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was probably my, my longest match I ever did, and I, I took uh, two heats in in that one. It <laughs> like a hot tag, and then I was back in, and they did another like. 15 minute heat on me so i was uh, pretty tired after that one but uh, very fun what was the promoter's response when you came backstage uh oh i think i i knew that that was my my last show because i was verbally abusing the promoter the whole night and uh <laughs> he was not happy <laughs> but uh yeah the, the world of but shitty I wrestling like that as a, i kind of like that I kind of like that as a fuck you, though. You're not going to go out there and have a shitty match. That's a one way to do it, yeah. right? It's, it's, it, but you're like, no, nah, I'm going to go 40. and just We're going to run it out here. We're going to steal the show, and then I'm going to leave forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, um, after that match, I actually remember this is one of my sort of worst moments. Uh, wrestling brings the worst people out of people, I think. Um, but, yeah, I remember... The promoter owed me a bunch of money, and I basically walked him up to a to a teller machine um, and, and forced him to get my money out. So I, I maybe robbed him for the money he owed me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of money? You were at the point in Australian indie wrestling where you owed a bunch of money? You can't have been paid more than 20 bucks a show, right? Uh, I think it was... <laughs> There's secretly... You know, you you get oh we'll get you next time we'll get you next time and I'm like there's not gonna be a next time. I think he owed me like two hundred and fifty dollars at this point. Oh uh, my god, that's had to be a year's wages enough for an indie wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <I> know. <laughs> <laughs> unless was there a secret lots of money in Australian indie wrestling? Oh, there is definitely was it two hundred fifty dollars? Definitely not. Is two hundred fifty dollars less? Is it two hundred fifty dollars Australian? Is that really like? Is that really like eighteen dollars United States? I don't know what the translation rate is. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. uh, I was watching. uh, This is a real aside, but this is what this podcast is about. Uh, Me and my wife, uh, when she was pregnant, um, binge watched a lot of Survivor, which is the show that we hadn't watched really before that, but watched like almost all of them over the course of the time she was pregnant, kind of at Mm -hmm. home. And then you know there hasn't been a Survivor in the last year or so because of COVID. So then we started watching inter some international survivors, including an Australian Ooh. survivor. And then we but we watched a South African survivor, uh, which was a pretty good so you go on the internet and what are the best international survivor seasons? This was listed as one of them. And the the uh the uh prize that these people were fighting over is a million rand. So they kept on talking about this is the winner of this is going to get a million rand. So I looked up how much a million rand is. It's like like sixty grand. So it's like these guys are like talking about the life changing. But, but, but I was saying it's a lot of money, but it's like I was say, you know, that's it's still like, more than I expected. 
But, you know, like in, in America, you want a million dollars. So it's like, you know, these guys are, you know, starving for 40 days for the price of a, of a nice new car. But it's not exactly <laughs> going to be like, it's not a million dollars, right? Like, you get, you know, a really nice, you know, a, a really nice, uh, you know, Lexus for 60 grand. Not the nicest Lexus, but maybe a, a pre owned Lexus for 60 grand. Um, but that's different than, you know, like, I'm going to take care of my family. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that could work. be like a down payment on a home. That uh, that could could make a bit of difference. I wouldn't mind having sixty grand just uh, in my pocket. Yeah, I'm not going to anybody want to anybody want to hand me sixty grand. I'll take it. But I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of days on an island not eating. Yeah, like I, I don't think I'm <laughs> going to outlast everybody. Money, to be honest. Okay. No. <laughs> well, you could do it. There's a a a, 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 a thriving Australian survivor. And, you know, there's only, isn't there only, like, 80,000 people in the whole country of Australia? So your odds of getting cast are pretty good, Chris. Like, this yeah. is true. It's a, it's a little different than if you try to do something in America. There's, like, you know, is Australia, like, the size of Des Moines, Iowa? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that much about geography. I'm, I'm pretty bad as well. I don't even know how many people are in okay. Australia. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a bit, bit less than you have over there, I would assume. But, no, not, not a big fan yeah. of the reality television uh, to be honest, so I probably wouldn't be participating from that perspective. But uh, hats off okay. to anyone. So you're not going to gonna be a, you're not going to be a podcast. You're not going to be a guest on my upcoming podcast on the international survivor seasons, which is going to you know <laughs> the, the uh, or, or the illustrator of my best international survivor seasons book, uh, <laughs> Way of the Torch or whatever it's going to be, the, the book three or book four in the project. I'm thinking that'll be definitely a little, little bit less of a passion project and uh, more of a. <laughs> <laughs> paying the bills kind of project but uh, yeah, God, okay. I'm not, not going to say no right away okay good yeah you don't wanna, don't, never leave a door uh, never close a door when it can remain open yeah, yeah exactly um, maybe I could fall in love with these overseas Survivor series I don't um, I'm not sure <laughs> not going to not going to say well, no well uh, Chris you want to uh, any last thoughts about our friends El Pollo and Commando Negro uh, I just yeah, I, if if I haven't put it over enough already, I uh, I, I really want to lay it on thick that that this match is just a, a beautiful, simplistic match. It's it's a, a lucha mask versus mask, violent brawl, um, and and you had a, a bunch of those great like mask versus mask, mask versus uh, hair or. Uh, like these big, uh, what's it called, the um, uh, puestas, puestas. Uh, puestas matches throughout the the book, and especially the the older ones. I think my favorite, generally speaking, matches to illustrate were a lot of these like lucha classics. Um, so, but this one, it's a hard, it's a hard match to. It's a as a match structure, you know, a lucha wager match is. I mean, you, you rarely are, no matter who's in it. Are they not worth watching, right? You could have some guys who are, you know, not old or not great or you know whatever. It's like the that structure when when you have something really on the line like this. I mean, that's the thing about lucha mass matches, especially. I mean, it's like it's you everything. are no longer who you are. Yeah, El Pollo, you know that he is he wasn't a chicken. That was it for him. These I don't I don't know if he probably kept wrestling. I don't know, uh, but but this was the this was uh, the end of his t- 
time as El Pollo, and you know, even these more iconic ones, even if they keep the same gimmick, it means a lot to lose your mask. So Absolutely. when these guys have a match like this, especially when it's one on one like this, uh, it really is a it really is a hard. We've got a couple of them in the book, and it really is almost always going to be a tremendous, tremendous match. Yeah, for sure. And even though, like I said, these aren't the most heralded luchadors, right? This isn't Santo, right? This is not Blue Panther. This isn't Satanico. These are a couple guys who, these are journeymen, right? These are guys, if this was basketball, it'd be ninth and tenth men. But, uh, you know, this, but this would be the equivalent of your ninth and tenth men having the one game where they score 35, you know? They, that, that was what this was like. Like the mo- this was the moment that both of these guys can point to when they look back on their wrestling careers. You know, when they retire at age seventy-one because they're luchadors, uh, and they look back <laughs> and they say, "Well, you know, this was this is right. This is the one I can look." Commando Negro can look on his shelf at that bloody chicken mask and say, "All right, this is you know a moment of from a, a mind of real uh, of real triumph and, and glory." Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. And and it was over as well. Like that's the thing. You watch it, and the crowd is is bloody into this match. Uh, the the chance for, for Commando Negro, but then as it goes on, just how much more over El Pollo gets, uh, especially down that finishing stretch, and you can hear that. that I mean, it's not a jam-packed uh, arena in any sense, but the people that are there are just absolutely all for this yeah. match and absorbed into the struggle of this match and really behind their guys, um, and, and that's really the atmosphere of, of these... Um, Apuestas uh, matches that I, I adore so much, uh, just that that it was it was so over and, and the atmosphere and, and that. Um, and I also want to say like I love like traditional um, lucha uh, two out of three falls um, setup. Um, I'm I'm always annoyed when I watch lucha and it's just the triple A one fall kind of thing. So I feel like the the build through the falls is also something that that adds to right. your classic Apuestas matches. Yeah, Negro kicking his ass in the first fall, but somehow banana peeling a loss, and then coming back even crazier in the second and the third, yeah. where they're really going toe to toe. I mean, it's just perfect. Yeah. The setup of this is is really is like the structure, the build of it. It's it's very it's very simple, but it's just you know it it can't be done better. Yeah. Yeah, just classic. Um, and yeah, it, it was overall, I, I think, just my favorite thing is that it's it's so self-contained that you can just watch this match not having any idea of who either of these guys are, and you, you get it. And that's a beautiful simplicity of, of great wrestling, in, in my opinion. So that's why uh, this was uh, my... my favorite match to cover can i ask you uh before we finish this guy off obviously favorites are always hard but do you look back on any of the matches through this book and be like i feel like that's the one that i'm the most fond of or the one that's like the most sort of close to my heart in that sense that's hard right i mean they're all they're all my children um uh, but uh, I mean, some there's some matches on here that I'm less fond of, which I put on for other reasons or to cover an area or a wrestler that I think was mm-hmm. covered that much. I mean, my favorite match of all time is MS1 versus yeah. Sangre Chicana. We're talking about Apuestas matches. If you ask me to make a list of the best wrestling matches of all time, that's my number one. And I've been, you know, and what I've been saying, probably that's been my number one when this question has come up a, for a long time. 
I, you know, this is up there that the, you know, all of the, the, uh, the IWRG indie lucha stuff from the 2010s, this match, Terry Wotan, the, uh, uh, Terrible Cerebros versus Gringo Loco six man. I really, that era is something exactly. I really have a lot of fondness for and, and, and love all those matches. And then, you know, uh, both those Anarchy War games are matches that I really have a lot of, and are really matches I, I mean, obviously I didn't discover them. They were out there. But I mean, I, I didn't know, that was, both those matches are matches that I didn't think a lot of people had seen, and I was really had a chance to, uh, you know, proselytize for. Um, and I've really been enjoying sort of talking up those things in the podcast we've done on those with... Uh, with Dan, uh, Reverend Dan Wilson and Jeffrey Bailey have been so much fun to do. So I think those those would be up there too. Just because, you know, it's like, there's a that 2006 match especially, which I think is one of the best uh, American matches of the 21st century. And I don't know how many people have ever even talked about it until sort of uh, we talked it up on Segunda Arcade and then on this book. Uh, so I don't have a lot of fun. Fondest word, more, you know, rather than something like, you know, Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard, which is incredible and amazing, but I don't have that same sort of ownership on. I don't really feel like I'm I'm not letting you in on the secret yeah, with yeah. that, right? <laughs> Where something like this, something like the Black Terry stuff, or the, those, I feel like I'm going to be the guy who's, who's going to be letting everybody know that they're. It's like if you're a, a you know DJ and this is a band that you feel like you discovered. Yeah. yeah, it's like still before that that level of it uh, being on the big label, and it's still something where you can actually get brownie points with uh, with friends by giving them a little nudge and be like, hey, you should you should check this out. This is right, actually yeah, really this- cool. Throw this on in a mixtape, right? You're like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, this is this is the. It's always more fun. You always feel a little more ownership when you see a band in a yeah. small club. You know what I mean? Like I saw TV on the radio in front of thirty people, so they're always gonna have like a, a fondness in my heart when they got bigger and you know stuff like that. So that's kind of so that's probably those are probably my favorites. But yeah, they're like God. It can't go wrong with a lot of this yeah, stuff in here. Yeah, that's awesome. I um I think that's that's. The same, um, this stuff that's like the the less well known, those those hidden gems, um, that are that are the coolest uh, part of, of this book, um, and yeah, this this match being very very emblematic of, of that, I think a hundred percent. But yeah, no, it's it very fun. Um, finishing up, I uh, obviously want to uh, thank you. Uh, obviously, want to also thank uh, the whole hybrid shoot team um you know jonathan snowden um it was just a treat to be part of this project i i love this kind of wrestling i'm uh, very passionate about it um so to be able to do a, a book where i did a uh, hundred illustrations uh, to these um was was a, a real um labor of love 100 percent. so uh thank you uh, very much for for having me and um thank you for everyone out there who's listening and and is supporting the book and buying it um and yeah i very much appreciate all those uh compliments to the to the artwork side of it because it um i did put a lot of work into it a lot of love into it um so yeah it's really nice to to see that kind of um appreciated do you have anything else you want to plug before we call it a yeah, day? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, if you dig the art in there, you want to see more of my art, best place to see that is my Instagram page. You can find that 
at Chris Things. Uh, a lot of uh, wacky wrestling art on there to, to tick off those boxes for you. A um, bunch of uh, other stuff as well. Um, have uh, prints uh, available of those artworks as well. So check that out. Um, uh, Do you have prints available of any of the art you did for this? Uh, I, I, you should get some. That would be yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I do... Um, piss my wife off by hanging this all on my wall yeah yeah we can we can definitely do that if anyone is uh interested in um in art prints of, of any of these illustrations um i have a, a local um art art quality printer where um where you get the art printed on um high quality like textured archival stock um to whatever size you need as well so depending on your, your frame size, uh, just measure that one up, swing me a message on the Instagram, and we can, we can have uh, that printed up and, uh, and sent out to you. So, yeah, we can definitely make that happen. Oh, that's killer. I'm going to have to figure some stuff out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, great. Okay, so, yeah, please check out that Instagram. I'm, I don't think I, I knew about that. Now I'm going to go on a deep dive, and, you know, I'm such a huge fan of your art, so I'm going to go – hit up Instagram and check out all the other stuff you have. And yeah, we thanks, got man. some things in the hopper for a project in the hopper as well. We can give more information on that as we get mm-hmm. more into it. But this isn't going to be the the last time you have an opportunity to read stuff I write and see stuff you draw. So I think because it worked out, I mean, I, I was so happy with how it worked out the first time and no longer, we can't be, a, no, we're going to team up for some other stuff too. So keep our, your eyes out over the, as was I, uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's keep this right. dream team going. Let's uh, keep more more projects uh, being churned out. I'm uh, I'm real real stoked to. Uh, Is there any of your Australian indie matches available on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I uh, I may uh, <laughs> see if I can, can find something and uh, and upload uh, something there. May maybe my. Uh, my mask versus hair death match that I had against my brother Josh. Maybe that's something that oh, we could. Okay. Well, uh, if you if post. you post it, I'll review it, and I promise I'll be and I promise I'll be uh, <laughs> I will be nice, but uh, but appropriate uh, and accurate. Am I? <laughs> yeah, beautifully sloppy yet violent. <laughs> awesome, well, Chris. It was great talking to you, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, everybody pick the book up. No problem at all. Uh, while I'm here, I, I will finally a uh, little plug ski. You can also find me on the the Twitter at Chris Things. I mostly just uh, retweet sweet wrestling gifs and uh, stuff to do with his book. Um, but occasionally, you'll find other stuff on there. Uh, also, uh, part of uh, another podcast we call it a special sometimes food because it comes out quite irregularly i do it with the esteemed uh, james vanderbeek of uh, twitter fame and uh, we we have that one available uh, called grown men watch this shit so you can uh, find that one that's from uh, social suplex so that's something you can also check out but um yeah thanks again for having me today I appreciate uh, being able to come on and talk to something that's so close to my heart. Great. Uh, We'll see everybody next week.